chapter 8 and verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. I'd like to minister this morning on a message that brings great joy. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Bible, of course, teaches us that our God has never failed and that He makes no mistakes that he is not as a man that he should repent. He, Jesus, being God come in the flesh, made the statement, which of you convinceth me of sin? For he was the sinless lamb of the Spirit. He was spotless. And he came to this planet, to planet Earth, to bring a message. He looked at everything and realized that man was in a great big mess. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, and he's looking at hearts. He's analyzing hearts. Your heart in the Bible and in reality is your seat of your thoughts, your intellect, and also your emotions, all those things that you feel with, that you experience feelings with. And so he looks at the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. He knows our every thought, and he certainly knows our every need. And, of course, the Bible teaches that no man cared. Nobody cared about what was going on down here except the Lord God. And he cared so much that the Bible teaches that he came himself in the flesh. The Word was God and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. In that flesh, in that body, dwelled the fullness of the very God bodily. Colossians 2 and 9. The Bible tells us that to us a son is given, a child is born, and that his name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus Christ. His name above every name. All of these other things, titles and insights, describe who He is to us. And when He came, because He cared, because the Spirit, God is a Spirit, He's invisible, but He cared so much, He loved so much, that He said, I'm going to provide you with, us, with my Son, meaning the flesh, and that in that flesh will be housed 
the fullness of my spirit, my power, my deity, my glory. And so as he did this, because he so loved, and said that if you will believe what I'm doing, my plan, then you're going to have everlasting life. You're going to be given a hope that is beyond this world. You're going to be given so many wonderful things. And so I'm going to send a message through a messenger. He's going to come and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to begin to make his path straight. He's going to come and he's going to baptize you unto repentance and remission of sins. He's going to be standing right out there by the riverbank and he's going to baptize people. And he's going to tell people that don't quote to me who you think you are, what's your background, how many letters after your name, or who your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle, your grandma or your grandpa was. He said, because God's able to raise up stones that will serve him and love him and will do the right thing. He doesn't need pedigrees. He doesn't need diplomas. He doesn't need man's so-called accomplishments. But he's looking at your heart, and he's got a message for your heart. The enemy would like for you to think that it's a down message. He would like for you to think that it's depressing. He would like for you to think that you're going to be in handcuffs and stocks and fetters and that you're going to be miserable and you're going to be unhappy. That's what the enemy would like for you to think. The enemy does all of the negative things in planet Earth because he turned his back. He lifted himself up. He came against God. He got in God's grill, if you please. And he was lost that place that God gave to him. He was thrust out of heaven. Jesus said in his earthly ministry that he beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And he also made it clear that before Abraham was, he said, I am. He was trying not to leave any doubt for who he was. And he wasn't some second or third or fourth or tenth person, but that he was the only one. And he's the only one who really cares. And he came in the flesh. The invisible showed himself visibly coming to take care of business. And the Bible teaches that he made it crystal clear that he's going to return, but he's not going to return until this message, this gospel gets preached to everybody in every nation, and then shall the end come. He said, the kingdom that I bring to you does not come with natural, if you please, observation, but lo, it's going to be within you. I'm going to send forth the Spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, which means, Father, that you will turn to the everlasting Father and you will receive the peace that only the Prince of Peace can give. I'm going to bring a message to you that's going to give you joy. I'm going to give a message to you that will help you to serve me with gladness of heart. You'll be glad to do this. You'll be glad to do this. Serving God is not a chore. Now, you know, we get chores. We got to vacuum sometimes. We got to mop sometimes. We've got to do some laundry sometimes. And, uh, you know, I know some of you draw the line. You know, I don't do whatever it might be that you don't do. Wash windows, iron, whatever you draw the line at. But there are those chores 
and they are a chore. You know, we don't really be real happy about having to do some of these chores. But you know, living for God is not a chore. It's not a drudgery. It's, it's not something that you drag your heels about. It's not something that makes you feel sad and depressed. That's what religion will do to you. Religion brings you man's message, and man has never had the answer, and man is never going to have the answer. And the enemy promotes what man says and what man puts together and puts out on the menu of religion, and you can pick off the menu the religious persuasion that you want, or you might get raised in a particular religious persuasion. But my God has come because he loves you, and he said, I'm bringing you a message of joy. I'm not bringing you depression. I'm not bringing you hatred. I'm not bringing you jealousy. I'm not bringing a chore, a drudgery, a task to your life. I'm bringing my love to your life. I'm bringing my joy to your life. That's why he inspired Paul in Romans 14 and 17 to say that the kingdom of God, you know, the kingdom, the message of this truth that must be preached to all nations and then shall the end come. He said this kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What every city needs is exactly what God sent to Jerusalem and to Samaria. It was so good in Jerusalem when he poured out his spirit that they couldn't hold it there. They couldn't contain it there. And when they begin to think maybe they should just be in their own little group, God said, no, we're going to every city because every city needs this joy. Every only thing wrong with our cities is they need what came to Acts chapter 8. There was joy, great joy in that city. Had the church send Philip the evangelist. He left everything. He left all his comforts, all the things he was used to, and he went down to Samaria. He went to a most unlikely place. He went to a place that many people looked down their nose at. Many people didn't want to have much to do with that place. Many people talked negatively about that place. Many people said that you don't want to be there. You don't want to stay there. You don't want to get involved with them and that. But I want you to know something. That our God said, I'm going to make you. When he came in the flesh and he walked among mankind, he chose people and he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to, I'm going to help you to win souls. That's what this is all about. And you go and you teach everybody. And you baptize them and teach them the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And that name is Jesus. That name is Jesus. You know, sometimes I try to work with a shortened version. You have so many phone calls in a day and so much business to transact. Not only this church, but all the churches. And, and uh, so, you know, you kind of keep things abbreviated when you can. And so they'll say, um... I'll make a phone call, and they say, well, I'll have to have him or her call you back. And I'll say, okay, just tell them to call this number and ask for senior pastor. Ask for who? I said, senior pastor. I said, uh, I said, well, do you have a name? Well, that's how you need to feel about Matthew 28, 19. 
it said baptize them in the name. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is just the abbreviated forms. you got to get the name. You're not going to sign anything, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and get anything. You're not going to sign any title to your life. Mother, you want to sign mom on your check? Not going to work. I believe the, the bank's going to kick that one out, you know. You're not going to sign daughter. You're not going to sign father or son. You're not going to sign a teacher or mailman or male person or whatever. You're not going to sign a student. Not going to work. They want your name, and you want his name. One of the reasons that there was great joy when Philip went down and preached Jesus Christ to them, the reason that there was great joy in that city, that city that people said, you don't want to go there. You don't want to. There's problems there. You don't want to be there. Philip went down exactly where it needs to go, the message. It needs to go to the depressed. Jesus said, I didn't come for the happy people. I didn't come for the whole people. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the self-righteous. I came for the one that wouldn't even lift up their eyes to heaven and say, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. I came to them. I came to seek and to save out the lost. And when Philip was sent by God down to Samaria, I could just hear Philip's family. Oh, you don't want to go down there. I ever tell you about the, I was in the mall one time, and the guy, his wife that we had tried to show the truth to, and they had stepped back from it many years before, and, and their lives were in a mess. And so I, the woman's mother was there that day, and, and she said, um, so where do you preach at? I said, Dove Lake. I wanted to slap her, right? What's wrong with you, woman? Making a face about my city. That's my city where God sent me to. These are my people where I preach at. And don't you make a face about that. Let me tell you, there's a lot of family a lot of so-called friends had made a face at Philip when he said he was going to Samaria. But when Philip got to Samaria, he got what the church wants, and that is great joy, came to that city because they believed his preaching and the name of Jesus Christ. They believed that name. You don't come preaching, Father. You don't come preaching son, and you really don't come preaching Holy Ghost. You come preaching the name, because in the name is all of that. You bring the name, and in that name you get the Holy Ghost. You get the gift of the Spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You get the greatest experience that anybody can ever have, but it comes in that name. Everything is tied up in that name that is above every name, and that name, the name of the whole family of God, whether in heaven or on earth, is Jesus Christ. You want to believe that name, and that city did, and because they believed that name, there was great joy in that city. joy because now the young men weren't in gangs and hanging out on the street. Now they were in church worshiping God in spirit and in truth because that's what 
God is looking for. That's what he requires for us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And when Philip brought the right spirit and the truth down to Samaria, and the people believed the things that he preached, when they saw and they heard and they experienced what this message brings, they got so excited and they got so happy. It didn't matter what aunt, uncle, cousin, double first cousin had to say. Made no difference whatsoever. They knew what had taken place in their lives. And they were so happy, so filled with great joy that grandma couldn't withstand it. Uncle Joe couldn't withstand it. This one and that one had to fall back before it because they said, man, I see a change in you for the good. I see a difference here. The young ladies weren't out there now becoming baby factories and getting diseased. No, now they're in church and they're learning the correct order of how things are to be done. And it's a good thing for a city that's got it backwards and got it mixed up to get this message and then start raising up those children you love to do it the right way to do it the way that you have now learned that you didn't know before but now you know now you know most uh, grandparents and parents and guardians most people will acknowledge to the younger people they'll tell them that you have so many more opportunities than I have things are so much better for you than what it was when I was a young person growing up. Each generation, people kind of feel that way. But I must also tell you that there's a negative side because there's a whole lot more opportunity to do it wrong. There's a whole, it's a whole lot easier for children to fall into the wrong things nowadays. The same sin, the same devil, the same spirits are roaming the earth, the land, going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. There's no doubt about that. But life has become so much more accepting. Society, not only accepting wrong things, but promoting wrong things. And they have so much mass media communication that they're able to get it to people very quickly. And they're able to misshape hearts and lives, minds and thinking by the things that they send to them via the mass media communication and on and on it pumps into people and they, they start thinking that way both consciously and subconsciously. You might want to say in the forefront of your mind and in the back part of your mind. You think with the forefront but the back part is doing its thing and you're not even aware of it. Let me tell you something. There's a message that can come to you and that you can hand down to your children and you talking about an opportunity, a heavenly opportunity, one that will give them true and lasting and great joy that will straighten up their lives that will keep them out of every pit and every problem and every difficulty will help them how to cope in the generation they find themselves raised in. When message was described as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It also described what it is not. And he said it is not meat and drink. But it is. He wanted to get that out of the way before he told them what it is. He said, let's get it straight. It's not carnal things. It's not natural things. It doesn't matter. No wonder our Bible tells us that beauty is vain. It's just worthless 
it's, it's here today and gone tomorrow. It's a lot like life. It's a vapor. It passes away. So many things in this life, hear me when I tell you, that they're going to pass away. They're not going to be able to endure, and they have a way of just passing away. But there is a message that is brought to you that can absolutely give you such great joy that it goes beyond this life. This is a message that Jesus brought that is going to give you something beyond this world. There is a world to come. There is that which he brings a message about. And he wants you to believe his message. He wants you to believe his truth. He wants you to believe his words. Let us study Samaria. How did this down and out bewitched town taken in by drugs and gangs and every kind of problem, how did it come to getting turned right side up? How is it that they got this turnaround? How is it that they went from extreme sadness and depression all the way up to great joy? How is it that the thermometer just kept climbing and climbing? It got past a little bit of joy. It got past pretty good. It got past okay. After a while, it got up there and somebody said, it's joy. Somebody said, no, it's great joy. Woo! It's great joy. My heart is liberated. The shackles and the fetters of sin are gone. The scales have dropped from my eyes and I can see. And I know now, now I know that I have what it takes to get me through every challenge because when you get this message and you get this joy of this salvation with, with joy the Bible said shall you draw out of the wells of salvation you're going to draw that water right out of the well of salvation that's what happened to the little lady that came to get doing the drudgery doing the chore I don't know if anybody would want to fess up to be old enough that said they had to go out to the well with the bucket in the morning and you don't have to, so don't raise your hand. It's okay. And had to cart that back to the house. And that was your chore, your morning chore that had to be taken care of. And this woman was on her way to do her chore. And uh, maybe she was disappointed because those who said they were going to be husbands weren't husbands. That's why she'd had five of them. Did Jesus say that to condemn her? No. He said that to let her know, I got a message for you. And when his message struck home, she danced all the way down to the city and told them all about that man back there, that man with a message back there. And she said, he, he gave me water from a well, but it wasn't the well I'm used to going to. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a drudgery. It wasn't a task. It wasn't a heavy load. It was great. It was great joy. Great joy. I was drawn from a well of another kind. I was getting water from another world. I heard a message from another world. That message came down in the form of human flesh. That flesh came from Mary. And in that flesh dwelled the fullness of God's Spirit. That's why he walked on the water. That's, why he was, that's what enabled him to walk on the water. You want to walk on your problems, then you got to get the enabler in your life. He enables you to do the good things. He enables you to do the righteous things. 
He gives you the power of His Spirit in your life that will enable you to do righteous things that you formerly did not have the strength or the power or the ability to do. There are people on their own. They cannot quit drugs. They cannot stop drinking. They cannot stop hanging out and doing all the things that they get involved with. They just don't have the power to do it. Down the street here, there used to be back in the 70s and 80s, early 80s, a barbershop. And uh, I would go there. I had hair then. And uh, my hair just has Alzheimer's. It all ran away to the back. You know, it's just got kind of lost and follically challenged there. Thought I'd say it before you think it. Anyway, take the club right out of your hand, didn't I? Anyway, <clears throat> I'd go down there, get a little trim. And, and one day there was an elderly man in there, and he, um, he used to own a trucking business in this town, a very successful trucking business. And evidently he did well financially. And he told me, just got to talking, and he said, you know, he said, um, <clears throat> there are some things that are very difficult to stop doing. And he said they claim one of the most difficult things to stop doing is smoking. And he said, I have five children. And he said, and this is in the 70s. And he said, I offered each of my five children $5,000 each if they would stop smoking. And he said only one out of the five attempted to do that. Only one out of the five. The others could not do it. They just couldn't do it. I want to tell you that I realize and God realizes that there are things in a city, in people's lives, that they just can't stop doing. But that's why Jesus said after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's why when Philip went to Samaria and he preached the name of Jesus Christ and devils were being casted out, all of a sudden the devil wasn't able to rule in that person's life anymore. Not in that young man's life. Not in that young woman's life. Not in that middle-aged or old-aged person. He was no longer able to rule. He'd been casted out. He'd been evicted. He got dispossessed. He's gone and he's not ruling anymore. And, and they were happy and they realized it and people were so excited and then he baptized them because they believed the name of Jesus Christ and were baptized, the Bible said. And when they came up out of the water expecting to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it didn't happen. And Philip was like, oh God, come on, help me here, Lord. And God was like, well, they got to get their hearts right. We, we got this far, but we, you know, we got to tweak them a little bit here. Got to get a few more things here. Got to get them to really uh, desire and want this great message and experience. And the Bible teaches that when Jerusalem, where it all started, that when they heard that Philip had gone to Samaria and that in going that they had received the word of God, they listened. They didn't say, nah. They listened. They took it in. And, and they realized, the people realized that, hey, you know, that looked like a really nasty place. And they want to go, but man, the man's catching fish. I think we better go down there. You're going to go down there? I'm going to go down there. Why are you going to go down there? Because getting the Holy Ghost is what it's all about. That's why. Going down there. I'm going down there. I'm going to get past all the psychological, all the flesh, the meat, and the drink that the kingdom of God is not. I'm going to get past all that. I'm going to get past, uh, oh, there's no pretty mall. Oh, no Starbucks? Oh, man, they don't even have a Walmart. You know? All the things that the flesh thinks about. 
the things that the flesh puts at the top of the priority ladder. But Peter and John, they said, we're going down to Samaria. We've heard that they're receiving the message and that Philip has baptized the entire city in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going down there. And they got there, and the Bible said they begin and to pray and lay hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he, the Holy Ghost, had fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they got baptized. They were born again of water, but they had not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. So they were not yet born again of the Spirit. And we got to have the whole message, honey. We can't have a little smidgen of it. We can't have a little bit of it. We got to have the whole thing. And I want you to know they begin to lay hands on them and the Holy Ghost begin to fall on them once again confirming that it takes Acts 2 38 John 3 5 this then is the message that brings great joy. Great joy. Those people getting baptized in Jesus' name thought they were happy and thought they had great joy. They just didn't know what was waiting for them when they got the Holy Ghost. I tell you, there are no human words to express it. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, I suppose that we speak in other tongues or languages as His Spirit gives us the utterance. Almost I was dead. I said that. See? The Spirit didn't say that. I said that. And I'm going to tell you what, you get some of these guys on the radio and other places and they're doing their little thing, you better tell yourself, that's a spirit, but it ain't holy. That's just them. People want to learn how to naturally do things, but the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The devil is an imitator. He is an impersonator. He does masquerade. He'll pose himself as a messenger of light when all the while he's the angel of darkness. You got to go back to the book. You got to go to chapter, what did... Jesus Christ bring in what did he send his church with? What did they bring? What brought great joy to this city? It was a, a, a young evangelist that was sent by the church to a city, and when he got there, he preached the message that would have to go to every nation before Jesus would return. This message of the kingdom. Lots of people talk about the kingdom and don't even know where it's, what it is. They'll say, I'm waiting for the kingdom to come. Honey, that means you need to get the Holy Ghost because that is the kingdom of God. He said it into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. He'll give you that initial sign. People want to put a lot of overemphasis on speaking in tongues. It's part of. It's the sign. It's the signal that you have received the first biblical evidence and sign that you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not the only thing, but it is the first and necessary thing. And you're going to be so happy when God speaks through you and the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost, begins to praise and glorify the eternal Spirit in a way that you never could. He said, brings it forth and he speaks for you. It's not you doing the talking. It's the spirit of the heavenly one doing the talking through you. Nothing to be scared of, nothing to be afraid of. You don't have to worry about what it sounds like neither. Amen. Obviously, in Acts chapter 2, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all began to speak with other tongues, they did not know what they were saying. It was for the people out in the street the ones from different countries, different dialects, okay? You know, some cities have 50 different dialects in them, all kinds of different languages, tongues that are spoken naturally by natural people. And my God, 
knows how to speak every one of them. And he knows how to interpret every one of them. He understands every one of them. Many times we've told about a sister that came from Europe and how that she got off a bus and the bus pulled away and she beheld a tent and she went over to the tent and she got to moving a little quicker because she heard somebody speaking in that European country that she came from and she did not speak any English hardly at all, very little, very select few words. And she heard this person, their hands up and they're just speaking out in her native tongue or language, ran up to the woman and hugged her and began to just rattle off in her native language. And the woman looked at her and said, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. But you were just, you were just, oh, but that's not me. That's him. Oh, yes, my friend. You better understand that God knows how to send his spirit into your heart. And if you will surrender and let him take control of the most unruly member of your body, that tongue. And he's going to take control. And he's going to speak through you and enable you to speak in another language that you do not know naturally. And it will be his power, his ability. And you will have great joy. The beginning of great joy. It is not something to stumble over. It is not something to try to race over. People want to race over to 1 Corinthians, and they want to say, oh, but the Bible said you all speak with tongues. And, and, of course, the Bible also said that he was teaching about the gifts of the Spirit, and there is the gift of tongues. That is not the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost is the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives gifts to people who receive the Holy Ghost. And some people get the gift of faith. Some people get the gift of tongues. Some people get the gift of healing. But it's all in the church. It's never to be something to make somebody exalted. What did they do in that city? What did the preacher bring to that city? What did the people do? How did they respond? I don't read of any arguing, any quarreling, anybody. And they could have because they'd been bewitched by Simon the sorcerer. He stood on the street corner, and that's where they got their dope. He was the guy that supplied all of their habits and kept them bewitched and kept them under his spell, if you please, and under his control, kept them coming back. And people, especially young people, so much wanting to belong to something will sometimes belong to something that is so low and so gutterish and, and their need is so sick and so great that they adjoin themselves to the most horrible, destructive things. But I want you to know a message came and it was so much better of a message. And it came to town that day. And when they, they didn't argue, nobody said, oh, yeah, we want to do what Simon the Sorcerer said. No, they, they actually wanted to be free from Simon the Sorcerer. They wanted something better because the more he put in their life, the more miserable their lives became. And they needed help. And Jesus came to town through the preacher that day and he preached Jesus Christ to them. And they believed the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and the church laid hands on them and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost and there was great joy. Great joy. Great joy. You can remain standing. Great joy. He wants to give you great joy and then you can serve Him with gladness of heart. It's not a chore. 
It's not a drudgery. It's not a, oh, do I have to? It's not that. We that are baptized in Jesus' name and have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that nobody twisting our arm. Nobody had to twist my arm to get away from the life that I used to live. Oh, I ran. I ran to this. I was so happy to have this. It took me 20 years to start running, but I'm very glad for that day when I started running. And I ran to him and said, come on, Lord. Here I am. I'm going I'm to unload the huge dump truck of my life right at your feet because you told me you'd take care of all my dirt. You'd get rid of every bit of it for me, and you'd give me a clean slate, a brand-new start. And I thank you, dear God, for that ever-precious promise in the Word of God. And it has been joyful. And you know what? The joy is so great that when the enemy tries to bring something else, it doesn't last very long. Because you do like the Apostle Paul just survived a vicious storm and a whole bunch of unbelief from people that in his congregation. And he found himself on a, in a very strange place looking at very strange things that were different to him. And he said, well, the best thing I can do is I need to build a fire. I need to get things going here. And he started building a fire, and don't you know it? Murphy's Law kicked in. Anything that bad that can happen will happen, and a viper leaped right out on his arm. A venomous viper that'll kill you in a matter of 15 minutes. And all the natives came out, the people of that country, and they looked at him and they said, man, this guy escapes the vengeance of the hurricane in the sea. And, and now look, he gets here and a, a vicious snake, and we know that kind of snake. He's going to be dead. Get your clock out. Look at the sundial. This guy's going down, but you know what? The apostle Paul just shook it off. I'm telling you, when you get this great joy, you can shake the devil off of your life when he tries to come back in. That's why you come to church. That's why you pray. That's why we read the book. That's why we worship him to get renewed. Renewing the joy. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. And let's worship him. Come on now. You need to make a beeline for Jesus. Straight shot. I'm coming to you, Lord. I need you. I'm not ashamed. I need you. The whole world needs, every city needs him. They need him in truth. They don't need religion. They need salvation. Our city's no different than Samaria. No city is different. Every city has its problems. Every county's got its challenges and difficulties. And everybody, everywhere, every nation, he said, this message, this message, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm a Let's come. I'm a Make a quick, quick move to the altar here. Everybody's welcome. He's calling. Come on, he Lord. He said his grace would cover I want that joy. His blood will flow freely. I want you to it order my life right and correct. Healing. Put things in the right order for me, Lord. Come on now. I'm running to the mercy seat. I'm running. I'm running, I'm running to 
pray for you. He said his we are here to pray for you. Me. His blood will flow freely. It will provide a healing. I'm running to the mercy seat. 